Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Claude Landsman, Specters of the Shoah, explores the arduous 12-year journey that led to the creation of one of the most important films of our time. Coinciding with the 30th anniversary of the release of Shoah, Claude Landsman's nine-and-a-half-hour examination of the Holocaust of European Jews. This documentary reveals for the first time the trials and tribulations of the French iconoclast faced in the making of this film. Notably, the film features an array of previously unseen outtake footage that was shot during the creation of Shoah to illustrate Landsman's journey from a bright-eyed journalist of 1973 to the world-weary auteur of 1985. It's a remarkable film. It's been nominated for an Academy Award in the short program, short documentary film program, and we're so honored to have with us today uh, British filmmaker and journalist Adam Benzine, joining us today here on Film School. Adam, welcome to Film School. Hi there. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. Um, I, the, uh, you know, the obvious question, first of all, I, before I get into how you decided and why you decided to, to go forward with the mm-hmm. project, when did you see show up? Uh, it was around about 2012, um, 2011 or 2012, I think, uh, if not a little sooner. Somebody, I had been doing research for a book and somebody had, had said to me, you know, if you're doing a book about documentary making, it has to feature Claude Landsman and Shoah. Uh, and that really kind of set me off down the rabbit hole, so to speak. Uh, after watching the film, uh, reading about him and his life, and then reading his book, my first assumption was that there, that there, there must, of course, be a film about this man. Um, you know, the, the journey that he went through to create Shoah is an incredible one. And um, not only that, but the life that he's lived as a lover of Simone de Beauvoir and as a friend of Jean-Paul Sartre and as a war hero who fought in the resistance and killed Nazis and a man who traveled the world and was friends with, you know, a lot of notable figures like Franz Fanon. I, I thought, you know, there must be already a film about this man's life. I can't be that lucky. <laughs> Um, and uh, so for the longest time, I was just looking around trying to see how it was that, that there couldn't be a film about this man, yeah. uh, that there hadn't been a film about this man. Um, and uh, when I realized that there wasn't at that point in time that he was uh, 85, I thought, you know, I, I really have to, to track him down and, and sit with this man, talk to him about his life, film his testimony. Well, I'm very curious because there are, uh, they, uh, there are people in your film at the beginning of the film, certainly, that talk about him. We're, um, uh, Marcel, um, Alf, um Alf, yeah. Alf, yes, thank you. <laughs> I couldn't say it. Uh, <laughs> is, it, it basically calls him a friend and then says he's a maniac and he hasn't, they've, they've sort of fallen out of their friendship. He, he sounds from that little bit, uh, like he would have probably been, uh, a, a kind of a difficult subject or difficult to gain the confidence of. What was your experience yeah. in, in, when you met him, and how did well, that... Well, I mean, he is, kind of, he is kind of a difficult person, uh, but he's, you know, he's a true artist, he's a true auteur, and these are, not, these are often not conventional people. Um, you know, the consensus reminds me quite a few different people, 
who appear at the beginning of the film, giving a little bit of context before we get into Claude Lansman's story. And, uh, you know, the consensus from, from most of them is that, you know, Claude is a genius, show is a masterpiece, but Claude can be a difficult person. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, that kind of sets up the nature of, of the film. But this is a uh, this is a portrait of character. It's less an academic study of how this man made a film. It's not a DVD making of. Uh, you know, it doesn't really focus so much on the on the technicality of how he did it. It's about this man's emotional journey and how his character revealed itself through through him doing this work. Yeah, and I would imagine as a filmmaker, as as a writer, and as a filmmaker and a storyteller, this. These kinds of personalities will often are complex and interesting, um, putting aside whether they're sort of day-to-day, you know, dealing with them on a, on a you know, regular basis, as putting that aside. And I'm not even sure that it's fair for me to characterize him as, an, as a difficult person. I don't know. It sounds like you got along very well with him. But, uh, well, he can be, <laughs> he can be challenging. Okay. Uh, he can be challenging at times. I mean, he, he is 90 years old now, and he was 87 when I filmed him. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it took a very... He's a, he can be a very stubborn person, I think it's fair to say. Okay. And it took a stubborn person to make a film like Showa. There you you go. know, it took someone who had grit, someone who was persistent, someone who was not going to give up at the first time, second sign, third sign of trouble... Uh, someone who was going to keep going against the odds, no matter how difficult it proved. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 you know, I do re- re- regard that as being somewhat of a, of a positive aspect of his personality as well. You know. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not a film that it could have it couldn't have been made over twelve years. You couldn't have been ten hours long if it wasn't for the fact that he's a challenging individual. You know, and a unique artist. Yeah, L- let's back up. I allude, I alluded to it in the in the introduction, um, and I talked about it before we came uh, on the air, and that is this is one of the most Shoah is one of if not the I, I can't say it's the definitive documentary on on uh, the Holocaust, but be, because it takes a very specific no. sort of line uh, of storytelling, it takes a specific way of uh, going about telling the story of the Holocaust in a very specific way. But it's certainly one of the most important and, and um, enlightening pieces of the story of the Holocaust. So how would you describe yes. the film? How would I describe the film? Yes. How would you describe show? I would say it's, a, I mean, I would, I would say it's the most important Holocaust film ever made. I would say it's a masterpiece of details. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Lansman describes himself when he began on the journey of making it. He didn't really know anything about the Holocaust apart from the headline finger. Six million Jews were killed. Um, and that didn't really mean anything to him. It's, just, it's a bit abstract. It's just a number. Um, and, and what watching Shoah does is it really changes your understanding of what the Holocaust was. And the way it does that is with an unrelenting barrage of details, often very, very small details. Um, And what happens is that those details build up and accumulate over the course of nine and a half hours in a really devastating, overbearing way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hearing, it's it's really in the details, it's in the small questions when he interviews people and asks them what color were the vans that they would drive around when they were gassing people in vans, and they'd say, oh, they were this kind of green, and he shows you the kind of green that it is. How wide was it to walk from, from, you know, how far was it to walk from the train across 
you know, to the gates, and then how wide was the room, and, you know, it's people telling little stories about digging up graves, or about breaking off icicles, or about cutting the hair, and, and, and yeah. you know, how many snips would be used to cut the hair. And, and what this does is, in your mind, it, it really creates a visual, a series of visual images in your mind that, that, that make you understand that, you know, that this happened, and this is the way it happened, and this, these, all these little details paint a, a picture of what happened, uh, and it's horrifying, it's totally horrifying. Well, and also, well, the, the genius of the film uh, and his approach is he talks to the commanders, the people who were directly involved in the, the machinations of the of the Holocaust, and that that is. Well, yes, he, he interviews SS officers and he interviews uh, Sonder commandos right. who are the Jews who were forced, you know, under threat of death to to maintain the death camps, um, you know, to to burn the bodies and uh, uh, to cut the hair of women before they were put into the gas chambers and so forth. It it, it is again. I just wanted to establish in the minds of our audience this this film is. If if anyone every once in a while you hear some, you know, lunatic talk about that it, it never happened, it was a con- construct of some whatever whatever it was. Watch Shoah. <laughs> just my response is generally, yeah. watch this film and uh, and this will you know unburden you of any sort of doubt about that you that anyone may have about it. And it's just beautiful, and it's remarkable, and the cinematography is amazing, and, the, and this approach. And there's so many things about Shoah. But let's go back to your film, Claude Lanzman, uh, Specters of Shoah. And his kind of, we, you, you briefly mentioned, which I did not know until I watched your film, that he was involved with the, uh, the resistance, the French resistance. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which is interesting, I think, because, it, you know, it shows that you know, the Holocaust wasn't just an abstract concept to him. Um, you know, he in approaching the making of Shoah, he was a Jew who was in France during the Second World War, so he was at risk. You know, if he'd been discovered as a as a young Jew, he would have been, uh, you know, shipped off to a death camp or a concentration camp and then very likely would have died, you know? So when he has to, you know, especially... That's interesting, especially when you bear in mind... You know, watching the film, his his secret hidden camera interviews with former SS officers. You know, he pretended that he was a researcher. He created a fake identity. He said that he was working on a research paper that would discuss the achievements of the German war machine during the war, and that you know he wasn't there to judge. He wouldn't use their actual names. He was just getting their testimony for paper, and he was sitting there with a hidden camera, secretly filming these these former SS officers. And when they said, you know, oh, I wasn't involved, I didn't know what was happening, or, you know, he had to nod his head and say, well, you know, I'm not judging you, I understand, you know, sitting opposite them full well, feeling the the, the, the full force of hatred that you would expect somebody who's Jewish and survived the war would feel sitting opposite a Nazi. And he described that, you know, he, he, had, to, he had to make himself cold, yeah. In order to do that, he had to set his feelings aside, and I think that that you know it reveals an interesting part of his of his of his character. You know, he he once fought the Nazis during the Second World War in a very literal sense as a member of the resistance, and then thirty years after the war, he's kind of continuing that battle, except this time he's killing them with their own words. Yeah, and I I, I like the it, that he says that he had to keep lying to get to the truth. 
He had to lie. I just yeah. Thought, yeah, I mean, yeah. Sort of so a lot of different people. He had such an unrelenting vision for what the film should be. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting part of the film. Uh, by the way, we're speaking with Adam Benzine. He is the director of the Academy Award, um, Academy Award nominated short documentary called uh, Claude Lonsman Specters of Shoah. Um, in the film, we see sort of behind the, the scenes footage of him um, hunting down these guards from these different. Um, death camps, yes. uh, the, all the different things that he had to do to make this film. The backstory, tell our listeners a little bit about the backstory when he got the sort of the funding to go forward, sort of the, rest, the, sort of the restrictions or the, uh, what, they, what, the, what they wanted from the film, how the, they wanted it to be two hours long. Well, give us a little bit about that, the backstory. Yeah, I think, I think originally, uh, Claude Lonsman in 1973 had made a film called Why Israel? Right. Uh, and uh, it, it was a, a largely quite sympathetic portrait of Israel, and it was very pleasing to the Israeli authorities. He was then approached by a man called Aluf Haraven, uh, who was the Director General for the Ministry of, of, of Foreign Affairs in Israel, who said, you know, we would like you to make a film uh, about the Holocaust as seen through Jewish eyes, as seen through our own eyes, you know, telling the Jewish story. Uh, and Lonsman, after giving it some thought and with a little reluctance, more than a little reluctance, uh, decided to accept it. But it seems that he, um, you know, at once seemed to understand and yet didn't understand the scale of what he was taking on. He, he, he somehow knew that, that this wasn't going to be what they thought it was going to be. You know, this wasn't going to be a two-hour film delivered within two years. You know, make something, turn it in. We just need a film to fill to fill a slot, you know. We need a film that we can show, you know, make something, turn it in. He, he, he knew that if he was going to make this, it, it would completely consume him and take over his life, although I don't think he understood the extent to which it would do that or the shape in which it would do that. Um, and then once he embarked upon it, you know, he ended up filming uh, some 225 hours of footage in 14 different countries. He spent five years editing that footage. The film ended up being, you know, nine hours and 26 minutes long. Um, you know, it was a behemoth undertaking. And at the end of all of that, he he, um, he describes the process of letting go of the film as being like a bereavement. Yeah. You know, having spent 12 years of his life from the age of 49 to the age, uh, from the age of 47 to the age of 59, you know, that 12-year period it com completely consumed him and defined, defined him and still defines him in, in a lot of ways. It's so interesting, and, 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 and to the point where, it, by his account, the film nearly killed him. I mean, there's a, there, he tells a story of yeah. uh, him swimming off the, uh, off the coast. Literally, I mean, not metaphorically, but yeah. <laughs> literally nearly killed him. Yeah. yeah, and I think this tremendous conflict that he, he, he obviously was going through and uh, this bereavement you spoke of, uh, yeah, that it was that the fact when he was sort of what he considered to be at a point where he was finished with the film, knowing what the expectations of the film were and knowing what he, as he, his responsibility to himself as an artist, were in very much in conflict. Uh, and... Yeah. And I can imagine, first of all, those years you described, 47 to 59, for, for many people, this is, the, this is the kind of the, I won't say golden era of people's lives, but it's certainly a, and a very, very important part of a person's life to go to have invested so much. 
and feel so conflicted by what he saw as his responsibility to the people who helped him finance and m- make the film possible and to himself. Yeah. Tremendous turmoil. I can only imagine what he was going through. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, one of the things that people forget about Shoah is that at the time that he was doing this, nobody was really doing that kind of work. People nowadays are somewhat, I, I, you know, maybe comfortable isn't the right word, but, uh, you know, people are somewhat comfortable with the idea of watching Holocaust survivor testimony, and they have an idea in their mind of what that is, you know, that it's... Um, it, it's 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 it, it's old ladies and old men who are in their seventies, eighties, nineties. They have white hair and they're sitting in a, and they're talking about their experiences uh, in the concentration camps, in the ghettos, uh, you know, and, and somewhat in the death camps. Um, but at the time that Lanzmann was doing this, nobody nobody was doing that. People had somewhat read accounts of um, what, what had happened, somewhat. But to sit, you know, for, for people to see these people on camera. Uh, uh, telling their stories was was absolutely stunning at the time. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't you know by any means the first Holocaust film, but it was uh, it, it changed people's understanding of the Holocaust. And for a lot of people, it was the first time that they saw these people describing in detail the, their experiences at the hands of the Nazis, and it was absolutely horrifying for people. You know, so as Claude Lanzmann was going along doing this work, he felt, I think, a burden. Uh, that, you know, people don't understand. You know, I I have to make them understand because he was learning this stuff for himself and he talks about how he would sit for many nights and talk about what he'd learned with Simone de Beauvoir, the great French intellectual and his friend and former lover, and and how he would just tell her the things that he he learned during the day and he would talk to her and explain to her the things that survivors had told him and and, and how that was cathartic for him and how, how important her support was. Uh, as he was making this, you know. So I do think that he he assumed so much emotional weight during the process of, of making this film, you know. Right. And that, that can be hard to carry. I mean, talking to people who've been through extreme trauma, uh, it, it can be very difficult to to not become attached to that. And, and even if you're making yourself cold to it, as he said he was, as the only way of being able to process it and deal with it, I think in the years afterwards it came back to him, and it's, you know, it's a very heavy burden to, 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 to carry. And I think what adds to that um, burden, Adam, is that this was a film for, from a perspective that, had, I'd, uh, to my knowledge, hadn't been told, certainly not in this way, the story of the perpetrators, the story of the people who actually every day, their job every day for years was to kill as many people as were put in front of them. And I, I just think that to carry, I, I imagine, I can only imagine from uh, Claude Lensman's perspective, this is is more, in some ways, more harrowing than list than in some ways listening to the s- stories of the survivors, and I don't mean to diminish their stories, but I think from yeah. the point of view of what we're able to process, because it's easy to to uh, caricature the the Nazis in ways that dehumanizes them and makes it easy to make them the foil of our anger and our disgust and our our. But this film doesn't do that. It it says here's a guy who's cutting hair in the Bronx who every day was cutting the hair of people who were about to be gassed and could tell it without uh, even a trace of emotional um, involvement. 
And I just think that, that putting us in the souls and in the psyche of these people is a much more, in some ways, much more uh, indelible than than a story of someone who survived. And again, not diminishing their stories in any way, but I think for from it forces us. It just this film show and your film as well forces us to confront the reality of the the depths and the breadth of human behavior in ways that we don't generally do. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, there's a bit, there's, uh, what I try to <clears throat> make as a parallel in my film is that in, in Shoah, he's taking people back yeah. 30 years to revisit sites of memory. Yeah. You know, and in Shoah, he does that quite literally. I mean, he takes a man who was forced to cut the hair of women in, in the death camps, he puts scissors in this man's hand, and he has him cut hair yeah. as he's talking to Lansman. He takes a man who used to drive the trains to, 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 to the death camps of to the death camp of Treblinka, he hires a locomotive and puts the man on a train and makes him re-experience the journey as he's interviewing him. You know, it's it's taking people physically back to sites of memory. And what I, I'm doing here is, you know, with Shoah having been released in 1985 and my film having come out in 2015, is taking Claude back 30 years uh, or more to the to the or 40 years to when he began the project, to revisit this site of memory of what he did and, and making him relive the experience of what he went through. And I think that, you know, that that comes across in the film that this was deeply unhappy work for him. Yeah. You know, it was work that really changed him. When you see at the beginning of the film, him as a young man, he's kind of smiling and he's enjoying the process of making his first film. And, and then when you see him in the show years, he kind of has a permanent grimace on his face right. because this is, you know, this is like devastating work for him. And you see, you know, you see this with, you see this with historians, the, the weight that doing this kind of work um, carries. I mean, if you look, for example, at Iris Chang, uh, the American journalist who is best known for, for writing uh, the book about the Nanking Massacre, the rape of Nanking, you know, which, which um, was a, you know, hugely acclaimed work in terms of uh, uh, bringing forward, you know, uh, um, understanding about uh, this important historical event, she ended up committing suicide. You know. Yeah, I mean, so honestly, I think that it, it it leaves people with a kind of burden. You know, right? I, it it it's it's people like Lon uh, that they literally are running into you know the the smoldering ash of of Chernobyl. They're running in there and running back out and telling us what happened and why. Yeah, and yes, they take with them a radioactive memories that. Uh, are, I mean, are they carry around, and I, you're, you're absolutely right. I think your pers- per, per your perspective that you, the way he took these people back to revisit their their days, he does here. You do here with Claude and Lonsman, and it it's a very powerful film. It's very well done, uh, and the archival footage that you were able to find, aside from the stuff that was the outtakes from Shoah uh, and his relationship yeah. with, uh, you know, John Paul Sartre, uh, all of these things create a, a very moving portrait of him and he, how he speaks about his own, his own death. You know, I, I just, it, it's, it, this is extremely powerful stuff. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. And, and to just briefly, in terms of the archival footage, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time working with the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum uh, to unearth previously unseen footage. So most of what is featured in the film uh, is, is not material from show, but, but is previously unseen outtake footage. So mm-hmm. uh, after interviewing Claudia, I spent very many, I spent many years 
going through that archival footage to uh, to, to, to to find unused uh, uh, film that could could tell his story. Well, this is a just a, a, a wonderful film. Um, I'm I'm not surprised that it's been honored with a nomination for an Academy Award. I, I'm, it's been honored all all around the world in terms of uh, recognition by filmmakers. Uh, yes, and I'm very pleased as well. You know, it can often be hard for short films to find a home, but uh, HBO bought the film and are putting tremendous support behind it. They're going to play it on American television on May the second. Uh, marking uh, Yom HaShoah, so we'll be on HBO on May the second, which is great. I mean, it's it's very hard often to find a platform for short films, so so to have a you know a broadcaster of that prestige play it is is really wonderful. Yeah, and, and it's it's uh, that's that's sad because so many short films. Uh, I've been lucky enough to get a lot of short filmmakers on, and um, the the ability to uh, to tell a story in economic ways in order to allow, you know, people to really feel whether it's live action or if it's a documentary um, is it's, these are wonderful films and tremendous filmmaking that goes into this. And certainly uh, your film, uh, Claude Lunsman, Spectres of Show is no exception. It's a really, it is an exceptional film. Um, and well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for, for finding time to be here. Uh, let's all watch the Academy Awards uh, on the 28th uh, with with some high expectations. And uh, thank I, you. I, I hope you're for me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm not trying to jinx it or anything, but I just think that this is a no. this is a tremendous uh, film. And uh, I'm thank you for being a part of Film School today, Adam Benzine. Thank you very much, Mike. Take Thanks. Care. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.